SumaUp is next-gen body optimization from an actual doctor that's guaranteed to get you in the best shape of your life in 90 days. You'll be at peak levels for each of the fundamentals that drive your strength, energy, and even your longevity. It's a lifelong difference you'll see in the mirror, but also feel throughout your entire day. SumaUp puts more living in life. For full details on this transformative program designed for the demanding lives of today's highest achieving entrepreneurs and CEOs, visit www.startsuma.com. It's important because light travels through the lens and it is refracted, that is light razor bent, so that they go into the retina, which is this layer of cells. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that uh, came across with one of my patient discussions, and that is cataract formation. Some of you may have experienced this already, or certainly have had relatives or friends or colleagues that have experienced it. And we're going to kind of talk about, you know, what some of the causes of cataracts are, actually what they are, what, what some of the causes are, what some of the risk factors are, and what some of the things that we can do to maybe prevent them from occurring. So as I mentioned uh, this week, when I was talking to a patient, he had mentioned that uh, one of his good friends had had cataract surgery and the surgery itself went well, but this patient's friend had had a lot of night vision issues and he had like halos around lights. And this is actually during the daytime. He knows that for many years. And then after his cataract surgery, a few months later, he actually had to have another surgery to repair what he referred to as the lens sac. And so he was really uncomfortable about this and really hoped that he didn't have to do that. When he went to his ophthalmologist, he was assured that he didn't have any signs of a cataract. He wanted to make sure that that would continue to be the case for many years to come. So cataracts really refer to cloudy areas that form in the lens of the eye. And it can occur on one eye or both. It doesn't necessarily occur at the same time. And you can see here, this is a very basic diagram of human anatomy. And you can see the cornea, the outermost surface uh, overlying your eye. Uh, and then you can see the iris, which relates to the eye color, the pupil, and then lens right here, which is this whitish globular structure, which is transparent. And it's important because light travels through the lens and it is refracted, that is light razor bent, so that they go into the retina, which is this layer of cells on the innermost surface of the eye right here. And these, the, the retina cells are very important because they convert uh, light into chemical signals, which then are interpreted by the brain as images. Very simply, the problem with cataracts is when they become cloudy, the refraction of light is not quite as clear and it scatters across many different areas of the retina instead of uh, specified areas, right? And so therefore your Im the image that your brain receives is much more blurred. And so the idea of course, is we don't want that to occur. And as I mentioned, faded colors, blurry or double vision, halos, trouble seeing at night are all very common side effects of cataracts. It's very, very common. It causes 51% of all cases of blind blindness and 33% of visual impairment, difficulty of vision, of course, worldwide. So a very, very common disorder. Let's talk a little bit about the structure of the lens itself. So the lens itself really contains two sets of cells. So you have the epithelium and have these fiber cells, right? And why is this important? Well, damage can occur to, to both of them. And we'll talk about the, the types of damage that can occur to them. And as you can see, 
what seems like a just like a transparent set of uh, or hardened uh, capsulated version of cells is actually quite complex. It has this interior capsule which is this uh, area of cells that, as the term implies, encapsulates the lens. And that was actually what uh, that patient was referring to. And that this capsule, after the lens was removed during cataract surgery, had become clouded over, and that's a known complication. It has epithelial cells, which uh, grow on the outermost surface, the interior surface of the lens. And then you have these fibers that comprise the lens that are just very, very thin cells, thin cells that, and there are multiple, multiple fibers that are arranged in this concentric circular fashion. Why this is important is damage can occur to both the epithelium and these lens fibers that will cause it to eventually become clouded over. And we'll, we'll talk about those two main types of damage in just a second. And what happens is after they get damaged, you'll get decreased transparency through this, because remember, the light travels through the lens and then it refracts to, uh, to certain areas of the retina. And when it becomes cloudy, it spreads and your, your images then become distorted. So why would your lens become cloudy? Like why, what would cause damage to these cells? Well, we can describe it in, in forms of two main processes, oxidative stress and glycation. And oxidative stress, well, if you've been coming to the weekly live streams, you guys are no stranger to oxidative stress. And that really is just stress secondary to free radical formation. And we know that that is a very common byproduct from mitochondrial metabolism, as well as inflammation. White blood cells tend to release these reactive oxygen species, which are useful in killing pathogens, but unfortunately in excess can cause a lot of damage. And these in turn, this is oxidative stress, too much of these reactive oxygen species can cause damage to both the epithelium and the lens. And so when it causes problems to the uh, damage to the epithelium, it can uh, potentially cause issues with the capsule, when it causes damage to the lens fibers, it can cause them to be rearranged so they're not in this concentric fashion and kind of be in disarray. And that's what's linked to the, the cloudiness of the opaqueness versus the transparency. It's due to a particular protein that's found within the fibers called crystalline. Crystalline is a protein that seems to get damaged most intensely and cause the disfigurement of the lens fibers. Another thing that can, can occur is glycation. Glycation is where sugar molecules will bind to proteins, in particular crystalline, and that can also cause disruption. And uh, they can cause things called advanced glycation end products. And so if you have enough of these proteins that are bound to glucose and eventually turn into advanced or AGEs, advanced glycation end products, it rapidly accelerates the process of cloudiness or opacity within the lens. So both these processes are things we do not want to have occur or limit uh, significantly. And then there are other risk factors, some of which we can change, some of which we can't. So age apparently is one of them, 55, greater than 55 is associated with it. Gender, females tend to get them more often than males. Poor nutrition, diabetes, things that we can certainly improve upon. Ionizing radiation, so both exposure to the sun, like ultraviolet radiation or uh, workplace exposure. So if you're in an area where uh, you're exposed to x-rays, perhaps a dental office or in the hospital, other things like lifestyle-oriented activities like smoking or alcohol consumption, as well as certain medications, long-term corticosteroid use like prednisone is associated with uh, cataracts. And then for an unfortunate few individuals, genetics can play a role, and this is primarily 
that in terms of children, because some children, unfortunately, are born with um, with cataracts, and they're called congenital cataracts. So signs and symptoms. So how how exactly are they formed? The vast majority of cataracts are actually formed at the center. They're called nuclear cataracts. And so they start at the center and then kind of move out outwardly, and they cause gradual decreases in vision. One characteristic issue that you'll see with the nuclear cataracts is double or multiple images, as uh, I mentioned, will change the refraction of the light. And you'll see that it will change from white to yellowish brown, get lots of color distortion. Cortical cataracts, these are cataracts that occur more in the cortex on on the outside, right? Those tend to occur with diabetes. And so you'll see these whitish opaque regions at the outer edge. And they may not necessarily cause a lot of vision disturbances, uh, they only do so until until you get multiple opaque regions, they move towards the center. So it takes a little bit longer, but certainly not something that you want in any way. And glare is a big issue with cortical cataracts, as opposed to double or multiple images. And then uh, posterior subcapsular cataracts. So in this particular case, you'll get cataract uh, formation near the area just underneath the posterior capsule right here. And in that particular case, you'll start to see issues with uh, near vision, uh, being compromised more than far vision. You'll get this situation where some individuals who are farsightedness will suddenly become nearsighted, called my, myopic progression. And, and these individuals tend to get a lot of halos around their around lights. This is one thing they, they notice quite a bit. So what about the progression? So early on, so you may have norm, normal vision and uh, Initially, as the transparency starts to go, you'll start to lose contours of objects. So it'll be harder to distinguish like rough edges of objects as well as contrast sensitivity. So you won't be able to distinguish between uh, how intense light is on certain certain areas, like a picture or if, if a, a lighted scene, you know, if something's extremely bright or something's not so bright, you won't be able to tell the difference. Glare, you'll start to notice glare early on and that's primarily in the daytime. And as we talked about myopic shifts, going from farsightedness to nearsightedness, uh, that of course being occur- occurring with posterior subcapsular cataracts very commonly is another issue to see early on. And then late, the symptoms that you see with late progression are primarily just very bad progression of all of these. So worse in contrast sensitivity, lots of glare all the time, and pretty significant nearsightedness. If you let this go without therapy, it can, can turn into mature cataracts in which they occlude practically all your vision and lead to blindness or hypermature where you actually get liquefaction of the lens structure. Uh, the issue with this is it can actually leak into the lens capsule, right? And cause a lot of inflammation and long-term blindness. So uh, this is something that's very, very rare to see in the U.S., but unfortunately occurs um, occurs very commonly in third world countries, unfortunately, with uh, a lack of uh, medical care. Diagnos- diagnosis and conventional uh, therapy treatment. So the first thing that most ophthalmologists will do to, to see if you do have one is, of course, to check your acuity. And if your vision is worsening, they'll oftentimes will then do a slit lamp test, and that will allow them to check light scattering within the the retina, and provided that they see significant scattering and the cataract is, is fairly large, they'll go ahead and move towards surgical removal. And this is pretty much the standard of care. And this is a fairly safe surgery. What they typically do is remove it and they put a 
uh, synthetic um, intraocular lens. It is a low complication rate, but it, there are there are some complications. Cornea swelling, glaucoma, infections are some of the more common ones. And then this is actually not too uncommon, clouding of the lens capsule. So when that individual had mentioned that his friend had required another surgery after cataract surgery, uh, that this is what I, uh, actually occurred. He actually had clouding of the lens capsule, this area right here, the anterior capsule and the posterior capsule. And it was basically just that area, just due to inflammation, became um, much more opaque and therefore light uh, wasn't able to pass through the lens and of course scattered. It, this is fairly common, anywhere from 10 to 20, sometimes as high as 30% of patients in some studies can have this occur. The good thing is it's fairly easy to fix with, uh, with laser techniques, but it is some, another surgery, of course. So what are some things that we can do to prevent this from even occurring? Is it quite possible to not have cataracts well into your 80s, 90s, 100s, 150s, who knows, right? I would argue, yes. It really depends on limiting the amount of glycation and oxidative stress, as well as limiting certain lifestyle factors, right? So Obviously, there are some behavioral changes you'll need to make. If you are smoking, absolutely quit it. Quit it. Uh, limit uh, ultraviolet radiation from the sun. So, you know, if you're out for, for long periods of time, greater than 15, 20 minutes, wear sunglasses. Uh, stay, try to limit exposure to x-rays or gamma radiation, particularly at work, wear a lead suit if you have to be exposed to those areas. And then limit alcohol consumption. This is uh, starting to become... More and more of a concern is more studies are suggesting that even small amounts of alcohol are linked to eventual cataract um, formation. Diet, avoid meats high in saturated fats. So there are a few studies that showed uh, processed meats, beef, um, fatty cut, fattier cuts of beef are associated with cataract um, formation. And then try to increase fish, nuts, seeds, walnut, and flaxseed oil. And, this, and this, these, of course, are, if you're in the Link Life program, those are the fats that I tend to really emphasize. And it's primarily because they're very high in omega-3 fatty acids. And omega-3 fatty acids protect against inflammation, as well as reactive oxidative species, or, or species, so against oxidative damage, right? And so very, very important to, to add those in. And then uh, very important, control your blood glucose. And so when you guys check in with me, I'm always asking about your looking at your hemoglobin A1C and your fasting insulin. So there have been multiple studies that have shown, and there was this was the result of one study that showed if you have a fasting glucose of greater than 108 milligrams per deciliter, which is you know obviously not very good, that was associated with a 79% increase in cortical cataract development. Remember, that's a cataract occurring around the cortex moving inwards in a study of 3,600 patients versus patients that had glucose that was less than this. So it's a very, very significant um, association with uh, cataract um, formation. And so ideally, to limit this aspect from uh, affecting your your lens, you want to keep your fasting insulin less than 10 milliunits per milliliter and a hemoglobin A1C less than 5%. And this is quite possible. It may take a little bit of time, but try and trying your very best to get down that these levels can really improve uh, that aspect. And then what about supplements? Again, moving towards reducing reactive oxygen species. So antioxidant protection, vitamin E is a really popular and very powerful antioxidant. Obviously neutralizes free radicals. You want to make sure it has mixed tocopherols. So there's very there's several different chemical structures associated with vitamin E, alpha tocopherol, and gamma tocopherol. Those two types of compounds, vitamin E compounds are the most associated with the most benefits. So definitely try to get one that has mixed tocopherols and use 400 IU daily. Glycation 
And so L-carnitine, I'm a huge fan of this. It has been shown to really reduce glycation reactions, also has some antioxidant activity, really seems to protect against ionizing radiation from uh, ultraviolet light, or uh, if you're in the workplace, of course, in certain workplace uh, workplaces, and taking 1,000 milligrams daily can help. And then a particular B vitamin, B6 or pyridoxine, and this is very important in metabolism of amino acids and synthesis of nuclear DNA, DNA within the nucleus. And this has been shown to significantly reduce advanced glycation end products in patients that have diabetes uh, in terms of this being in, in their lens. And taking 100 milligrams daily with food, what's recommended. And then the carotenoids, uh, these are pigments that are found in several different plants as well as fruits. And here's, here's a good sampling of them. These actually have been shown to significantly reduce cataract formation in many, many studies. So making sure to include these uh, types of vegetables and fruits in your diet is key. And I'm a big fan of green vegetables, spinach, broccoli, oranges are, are pretty good as well, mangoes. I'm more of a fan of berries. Berries do have some carotenoids, but not as highly as the others. So getting them from green veggies is probably a better source. And three to four servings daily would be what I would recommend. So that's all I have to say about cataract formation this week. If you do follow those interventions or follow those uh, the, the advice listed in the lecture. So remembering to make those dietary changes, really trying to avoid foods that are high in saturated fat, limiting your carbohydrate intake, making sure your fasting insulin levels are less than 10, your hemoglobin A1C is less than five, ensuring that you're taking the vitamin pack. You can really uh, reduce the chances of having an outcome similar to this patient's friend.